Chinatown Market. Get out of here. All right, we good? Everything's good. Okay. We found time, 6.57, Wednesday, September 30th, 2020. I'm here with the culture connoisseur, Jamar, and owner of Sneakerhead Anonymous now. What's so up? What's up? We've done so much in the short time that we've known each other. It's true. I think we've done four designs already in about a month. Yeah. A couple hats. Yeah. Um, you've done an event. Yeah. There's that's That might be the record for first month production we don't waste time here yeah i mean you you that's i think what i appreciated most the first time i talked to you was you had the idea of sneakerheads anonymous so clear like from the get-go a lot of times people come in with brand ideas and they know they want to make a brand but they're not sure why and they're not sure what it is and they're not sure you know I, i definitely was here to help with the looks and the the designs but you had those ideas like locked and ready to go yeah it, it took a while and you know like it's crazy because you always say it's it's really great to see your vision come to life on paper or on anything that's like tangible that you can touch mm-hmm. and it was crazy like being able to give you my ideas and then just watch you run with it it was yeah. it was dope and then when i saw it, it was always better than what i could have envisioned it to be yeah yeah, I mean, I, and I'm, I'm, I feel like we're both lucky because I'm definitely uniquely positioned to help with this kind of brand as well. Like, I've been collecting shoes since I was, you know, I don't know, well, really since I was a baby because that's where my dad got my, you know, my first Jordans. But you know, he's been he's been embedded in sneakerhead culture since he was a teenager too. And so I, I definitely, and with the vintage as well, the vintage is also intertwined in yeah. sneakerhead. So like. There's just so much that I had to draw from. And, and when you brought up the ideas, like I could instantly know how good of ideas they were. Like the one you're wearing now, like the, let's oh, yeah. talk about the elephants in the room. Like, you know, I do a lot of copywriting and, and marketing for these brands and you need snappy things that not only people are already familiar with, like the idea of let's talk about the elephants in the room, but then you're using that other meaning for element elephants that only a specific group of people know about which is which is the elephant print that you'll find on something like a jordan 3 or a lot of jordan clothing now oh yeah um so that's been really cool i've been really fun to do it's like kind of like what you always um like i'm always thinking about the next sneaker like i think Mm -hmm. i'm at i think i'm tolling like i think i'm at 140 of like retro jordans and i'm probably around like 20 something for like non-retro maybe lebron maybe a kobe i mean I'm, i try to stick in my element with the nikes but i've I've ventured out into like you know dealing with the stripes now yeah because of comfort but yeah um yeah sneakerhead culture is is everything like i remember my first pair of jordans being um uh, the the red toes and the red toe ones and you know how when i was a little kid like everybody i felt like that had them was cool and I didn't start being a sneakerhead because my dad was a sneakerhead. I think my dad wore Converse. Right. Like like my grandfather. Yeah, like he wore Converse. So like, but no, not those Converse. I mean like high top Converse. Yeah. Like, like the, almost like the pumps. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I guess, Oh, yeah, I know what you mean. The, the, the boot type Converse. The boot type Converse. Like yeah, yeah, Patrick yeah. Ewing, all those guys like right. in that era. So my dad wasn't big on the Jordan era. Mm-hmm. My cousin Maurice was. And Maurice, like he had, oh man, he... I think the first time I saw the threes, a lot of people love the 11s and the 12s. Right. My favorite shoe of all time is the Siemens. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like being the the fact that there's so many different design elements in that one shoe. Yeah. 
and there's so much to like look at. Yeah. You're like as a little kid, you're like looking at like, oh my God, where where is it going? Like, is it going on the bottom? Is it on so many different design elements to the yeah. midsole? And then I'm like, okay, this is this is me. This is yeah. what I want to do. Yeah, I mean, for people who don't know that, that's the first shoe that Tinker Hatfield partnered with Jordan to make. And it's like it's really like a landmark client uh designer relationship because right. before that sports athletes did not have these kind of major deals or even a connection to what was like fashionably cool like right. that didn't really that that fashion and performance and design world didn't intertwine like that for sure and the the story behind that is amazing like jordan for anybody who watched the last dance would know this <laughs> wanted to sign with adidas Right. And he didn't because Adidas didn't really want him. And Nike did. Nike gave him a nice contract, but he didn't like the Jordan 1. He didn't like the Jordan 2. He wasn't a fan of those shoes. He didn't. He, he had no connection to that line that they were trying to build for him. And he wanted to leave. And Nike sat him down. They said, let us make one more pitch. And Bill Bowerman and Phil Knight took this young former track athlete an architectural student and allowed him to to design not only the Jordan 3 but a whole clothing line that went along with it and one of the things he pitched to Jordan was the elephant print right and Jordan was just floored with it he loved the loved the presentation he loved the shoe he loved the design he loved the elephant print and that's what started off a series of incredible connections between yeah. those two guys yeah and we're talking here from designer to basically client and right. I am telling you from that perspective, anytime someone brings you something that is not what you thought it could be, but better, mm -hmm. it will not only like make you want to come back, but you know that person's got your best interest at heart because mm -hmm. they can't, they can see something you can't see in your own vision and look at it. Now we're what we're 30 we're at Jordan 34 now. Yeah. And like people are still buying Going it, strong, you know? So that's a testament to like how big of an impact Jordan made and, sneakerheads culture you know because it's not just jordans and retros it's now yeezys and mm -hmm. you know what anything on the sun donks sbs whatever you want to whatever your whatever your drug of choice is yeah. so to speak you can find in the sneakerhead culture yeah yeah and and you mentioned like the finding something that you didn't expect to see like one of my favorite uh tinker jordan stories is about the um the black cats the um so he he for one of the things that Tinker did is research is he went and watched Jordan practice and he thought it was like watching a panther devour its prey and hunt and stalk and he thought he was just a killer and so he pitched him these black cat inspired I believe it's the eights no the nines the nines nines yeah um and Jordan was like how did you know and he was like what are you talking about how did you know that that was my nickname yeah. growing up? And he was like, what do you mean? Like the black cat, the black cat. And, and, and it was just like, he saw it through his Jordan performed and Tinker observed and then Tinker performed and Jordan observed. It was like this back and forth relationship where they were continually inspiring each other. It was, it was really awesome. Right. Nike has had these type of relationships with their signature athletes the entire time that they've been putting out signature yeah. athletes. Like if you look at uh, rest in peace Kobe, but Kobe, the black Mamba, mm -hmm. like if you look at a lot of his imagery in his shoe design, there's a lot of like reptilian type mm -hmm. aspects to those shoes. And it's 
no surprise that he's known as a black mama, one of the most dangerous yeah. snakes in the world. Like Kobe had a killer instinct just like Jordan. So yeah. it's like when you look back at, you know, the imagery and the designs that go into both of their shoes, like it's a testament to who they are as players. Yeah. If you look at Iverson, Iverson was more like fashion trendsetter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was poppy? It was what was going on. So like you, if you put on a pair of Iversons or a pair of Reebok, you know exactly who that shoe belonged to. You didn't yeah. have to think about it. Iverson's shoe looked like nobody in his era. Yeah. The questions to the answers they were, they're iconic shoes. Even yeah. if you're a Jordan collector like I am, I still have a, a couple pair of Iversons. There's something so so perfect about him being signed to Reebok as well. Like. Cool. It would have been awesome to see Allen Iverson be a Nike athlete, and it would have been cool to see what happened. But like, I mean, the Reeboks—the only real Reebok that comes to my mind before that is the Shacks, is the is the pumps. Oh, the pumps! And the pumps are like—they're just like a the craziest looking thing, like with this big bubble on the outside. Like, it's so like it, like you said, it, it was like a trendsetter thing. It was like a yeah. like a loud like scream at you, and so like. To have to him go to Reebok, it's like an interesting. Uh, it's interesting that even Reebok can have this kind of little piece of sneakerhead culture that says something about them yeah. and their athletes and them. And I don't want to hate on the ones around now, but there are a lot, a lot of athletes signed to Puma or signed to Li Ning, even like yeah. that. It's just like I don't feel like they're getting across that that same level of emotional connection yeah. or even uniqueness i mean i think that's a huge thing with athletes and their shoes yeah um just to like kind of piggyback like the shack foods or, or shark shack natos shack gnosis yeah shack gnosis yeah, yeah, those yeah, are yeah. dope too yeah, yeah, um, yeah just like a, to go back like those are dope dope like yeah, i yeah. think people still find those like i think reebok are, is still now making them mm-hmm. yeah some you know sean kemp's along the way and stuff yeah. like that they were pretty dope but like you're spot on like these signature shoes now and I'm not being a hater because I know people are going to think I'm a <laughs> hater, but I'm not a hater. I just, the Kyries don't really do it for me. No. The Giannis's don't really do it for me. Um, the KDs, I've had a couple KDs. I had a couple, the Aunt Pearls, I had those. Mm-hmm. Um, there's certain ones that are new age that are trying to like maybe say, you know what, maybe we can be as good as that. But the mm-hmm. only other signature Nike shoe that's since Kobe that I would say I would go out and spend time to buy is probably the LeBron. Yeah. Like, he's what, up to 17 or whatever, mm-hmm. Kobe. I mean, the, the LeBron 17. Like, yeah. that's a testament to his career. These guys that have these long, drawn-out careers, they their their shoes become just as iconic as they are because we remember what they did in the shoe. Yeah. Like, the playoff – like, for example, I love the, uh, the playoff 13s. You know, these names are – these shoes are – iconic and they have names that you don't even need to say what number it is that's true that he got games like you you know certain ones like you don't need the space jams like you don't need to know the number or anything mm-hmm. and that's just what makes it being a sneakerhead that's what makes you yeah that's what makes you a sneakerhead yeah yeah and i i mean i don't know to maybe give some design insight i think probably the reason for like the decline in the uniqueness or differentness is probably the money that's associated with selling sneakers is these companies can't number one they're not going to put one designer on a giant shoe project they're going to put a hundred and when there's too many cooks in the kitchen shit just gets muddled up into a packageable you know palatable thing for a regular consumer where you know with tinker i mean back in the day he did have people helping him and he had engineers and he had all different sorts of manufacturers helping him but 
he was, you know, this figurehead for what was going to happen. And right. so back then, I, it was probably a lot easier to get something crazy going, especially if you weren't working for Nike. If you were working for Reebok, I'm sure they had a lead designer that had all that hold, held all the chips, like could do whatever he wanted. Right. Um, it's interesting though, but and, and and I say that also because my favorite shoe probably of the last decade is the Sean Witherspoons, and I literally on his Instagram saw the group of people who made it. It was like him and like 10 other people that he whose design influence he trusted. And they sat down and they made this shoe and they submitted it to Nike after Nike asked them to to give it to them. But, you know, and then it ended up winning against, you know, other world renowned right. designers, you know, and Sean was at that point wasn't a designer. Right. Um, so I don't know. I, from a design thing, I, I think uh, sometimes you got to have less people making yeah. your decisions, you know, like I like as we talk about this now, all these designers come to mind. Like we're t we talk about Tinker Hatfield, and like you know, there's of course there's Virgil. Yeah. Because you know that Yeezy, well Kanye, yeah, he's been at two different brands now, and now about to go to his third brand with the Gap if he, that goes through. Yeah. So you just looking at the creative control that these athletes are given, even down to who now sneaker culture now thinks should have a shoe. Yeah. Travis Porter. I mean, Travis Scott. I'm sorry. Yeah. I want to say Travis Porter. Travis Scott. <laughs> Travis Scott yeah. has had multiple shoes. JT uh, has had multiple shoes. Yeah. These are just music people that have had their own shoe now. And it's mm -hmm. because sports and music always parallel. Yeah. Rappers want to be basketball players. Basketball players want to be rappers. It's yeah. just. 100%. It's just how it goes. Yeah, it is. That is a, that is an interesting switch because like, I mean, what if that was like, I, like back in the day, I guess Run DMC had their whole thing with Adidas, but, and I mean like Mob Deep is associated with the Timberlands, but there wasn't like mm -hmm. a real connection between those things, not necessarily, you know oh, what man. I mean? So it would have been interesting to see if any of those groups or people who had shoes what they would oh, yeah. look like you and know drake and the ovios drake and the ovios too yeah and i mean i like it for the I most do part do. i mean i'm on any of the signature shoes or these shoes that go to these act uh, actors and rappers like they're always dope like yeah. even down to like when nike goes and does these collabs yeah you know they just do these random collabs with people like i personally uh the ones that just came out uh they're white and black. I think that threes or fours. The oh, don't get me the line. I can't think of the name right now. But the fragments. Okay. The fragments just came out. Hottest thing on the street. Design is amazing. It's minimal. Can you look them up, Sean. Yeah. The uh, uh, uh what did I just say to her? Fragments. The fragments. I think they're the fragment Jordan. So they should be Jordan either threes or fours. I think they're threes though. Yeah, but and. and and I mean that. I mean that gets me going on a whole bunch of other things too. Because I was thinking Jeff Staples' old go. shoe. Which one? Uh, is go up. Uh, uh, go up. If you go out of there, right there, or your the white and black ones, right there. Yep. Damn. Look at that price tag. Oh yeah. They only came out a couple of days ago. Be sure just. I mean, just the detail. Picture? Just the detail in the back, just it's so minimal. On oh this, yeah, midsole is so minimal. It's very little, you know, very little detail, other down to the leather. You know, they're, that's that soft leather. It's not that hard, non-movable leather. They're almost like Jordan Two esque. Like they, they're so they they're so simple that they're so almost like minimal. that. Yeah. Also, side note, 
I'm a big fan of Jordan 2s. Yeah. But only the ones. You might that, be one of the only ones no, standing. <laughs> I might be, but I love the ones with the uh, the elephant print. Like, I'm, yeah. a, I'm a big proponent of elephant print. I don't know why. I'm not even a big animal fan. Yeah, yeah, Peter, yeah. Don't, don't get me, but I'm not an animal <laughs> fan. I don't like a whole bunch of, like, leopard print and stuff like that. Right. But, like, for whatever reason, when I see that elephant print on things, mm-hmm. it automatically takes me back to those 30s. It's such an interesting thing, too, because... Um, like you said, there, there existed leopard print and tiger prints and stuff like that. I don't know if before Jordan, there really was elephant print stuff. Like if that was a thing, like, you know, you can, you can understand, like, if you look at that shirt, you can understand what they're talking about. It's, it's the elephant skin, like blown being, up because yeah, it's like wrinkled. wrinkled. Yeah. yeah. But I, I mean, that's an interesting thing in itself. I wonder if there's any more information about why he chose the elephant. I, I know in abstract, that's where I got mm. that, that story from. I wonder if it was like toughness or something. He had some Maybe. reason for it. But um, yeah, I was thinking, um, so back, so we're talking about these collaborations that Nike did and stuff. And um, there was a time pre-2000 where Nike was, and most corporations and most fashion labels were very in-house. They're very insulated. They didn't work with outside brands. They didn't consult outside creators. They went to athletes, but again, the athletes were clients essentially. So they were receiving whatever Nike was coming up with. Right. But then in the 2000s, and I, I don't know a year for sure, but they Nike did a kind of, for the time, innovative thing where they reached out to a couple different street um, artists, like like graffiti artists and stuff like that. And there were a couple different shoes that I want to talk about. There's these bacon ones. Have you seen the bacon? Yeah, the bacon. The bacon. Um, of course I saw the bacons. Are they, were they Air Force Ones or are they Stunks? Ooh, actually the bleep. I don't actually know. They're so, because if you look at an Air Force One, you look at a dunk, the only real difference is maybe the mid the yeah. mid's a little thinner and it doesn't have air on it but just like now if you look at a pair of the ben and jerry the ben and jerry donks like if you look at those too quick you'll think those are air force ones yeah so i mean they're they're very close shoes anyway for I, lack of argument we'll just say they're air force <laughs> and i know um i know what is his name graffiti artist he did the sign for uh he did the sign for round two i think it's Mr. Stash or something? I'm not sure. I've heard of him. I'm not sure. That, that guy goes with that particular thing. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's him. But anyway, he he had a shoe. And then um, the one that's the best one, in my opinion, is the Marlboros. The unlicensed Nike collaboration that wasn't a Nike collaboration. But that's the best one, in my Can opinion. Can you show that up on the yeah, screen? Yeah, so the, um, the Marlboro Air Force Ones are Air Force Ones for sure. Um, so what was so cool about this one, and this guy's from Philadelphia. He was living in New York at the time when he made these, but he's from Philly. Um, you know, nothing good has come from Philadelphia. Yeah, nothing. Yes. <laughs> Bad things happen in Philadelphia. Those ones right there. The yeah. green, the menthol tens. Okay. Yeah. So what was insane about these shoes was it. So this is a non, this was not with Nike. Right. This was a, a guy made these separately at the same time that Nike was giving all these deals out to other people. And actually, I think he had one to do the Air Force Two. He was going to do an Air Force Two, and then they prototyped it. I don't think it ever came out. But his idea was so the Nike swoosh looked very similar to the, I guess it's another swoosh on the Marlboro cigarette label. That looks almost like a Newport. Am I lying? I'm I'm stupid. I don't smoke. It's it's Newport. I'm dumb. It's the menthols, right? So. So what he did is he flipped it upside down and 
made a almost copycat copycat version of a Nike. And uh, Nike didn't like that. They didn't like being associated with a tobacco brand. And they sent him a ton of cease and desist. And Funny story about yeah. cease and desist and, and addiction and all that stuff. Is what do you think being a sneakerhead is? They got True. people, like since the beginning, since the band Jordan 1s, like people have been going absolutely crazy for Jordans. Like people yeah. have killed for literal new releases. Like they have had... They have a special route that some in some places in the world, when certain Jordans drop, you go in through the front of the mall and you come out of a back alley that leads you to where security is so they can get you to your car. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the last thing that Nike should have ever got mad about was being associated <laughs> with well, that, and, cigarettes. And you can look more into it, but that was actually kind of his thing was like, it, it not only addiction, but also like uh bad corporate practices he was looking at like nike doesn't have the best track record with oh, no. with labor overseas um and so he was drawing connections between the power of a big tobacco and a big sneaker basically a, yeah. a big sneaker brand um interesting story if you want to look more into it, there's a bunch of good youtube videos on it and but, also for a while from probably like 2000 and probably probably 2005 to 2012 they had crappy glue so if you got any Jordans or whatever from the year 2005 to probably like 2012 and you still got it, you get ready to put it on in a couple of months or you want to, you know, go into your archive, you're going to put those shoes on. You're going to walk and do something athletic with those shoes on and the glue is going to come off because yeah. they had a big issue with the glue, the type of adhesive that they were using to mm -hmm. keep those shoes bounded together. And, you know, that's, you know, for a real collector, even the yellowing. Yeah. People that collect, they get yellowing, and that's because of the materials they were using because at the time, they didn't know anything about They didn't think people were going to collect these things Absolutely, for right. forever. Right. Or like, you know. Or collect them at all. Oh, yeah. Rock and stock. Like, yeah. that's a big deal. Like, these are sneakerhead phrases that, like, if you know anybody that's sneakerhead, when a release comes out, rock and stock. I still rock and stock. Mm -hmm. I rock one, I stock the other. Just in case. Yeah. I want to resell or I, I have a friend that missed the release. Yeah. Like I'm big on missing releases. I miss releases all the time, but I always end up with the shoe because I know the avenues about how to get it. And yeah. sometimes I won't pay ridiculous amounts of money to get the shoe if I really want it. So let's let's use that uh the addiction connection to talk about your brand. So your okay. brand is Sneakerheads Anonymous. Okay. And I know you show everybody the logo on your uh, yeah. on your hat. So it's um and Sean, can you pull up my Instagram real quick? Yeah. Um so Sneakerheads Anonymous is obviously a play on the addictive nature of sneakerheads. For sure. A play on Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotic, Narcotics Anonymous. So for your logo, we decided to go with, um, just go to Instagram and then look it up. Um, so we decided to go with a rip of your, of the AA logo yeah. with the words changed to be SA instead. And um, on your full logo, not the one on your hat, uh, Sneakerheads and Anon anonymous yep. are on there um let's scroll down a little bit so really right there quick, you can click on the back so really quick backstory on the sneaker the whole name of it and it's crazy because we talk about addiction and you know addiction guys addiction is not funny so no. i want to put that out there if you're addicted yeah. to anything it's not funny it's not a laughing matter but a uh, funny story about this with my wife i have shoes everywhere like i have a shoe room it's Supposed to be in my aunt cave has now become a closet and it's like 200 square feet of just me putting shoes everywhere um and my wife was like you know what you have a real problem and you need to and this is the middle of covid 
So we're having to spend excessive amounts of time together. But she's like, oh, yeah, you need to go to Sneakerheads Anonymous. Is that a thing? And I said, oh, no, stop. What is that? What did you say? And she said, oh, Sneakerheads Anonymous. And I'm like, that's the name. Yeah, for sure. And we, like, she sat there for a minute. She's like, oh, I want royalties if you ever get big. <laughs> like, and I was like, you know what? And for my wife, when she listens to this, Sarah, like the shirt that I'm wearing, she also designed it. She came up yeah. with the whole idea as far as like the elephants. Cause I was like, oh, that looks like elephant print on those shoes. And that's how we, that's how we got the naming for the, for the uh, particular design. Right. So, so go, going a little bit into the, like the business model idea, it's, it's a, a brand specifically for people who need something to rock with their shoes. So right. they need clothing that matches, clothing that fits, clothing that expresses their love for the shoes in the clothing. Right. So what's crazy about this whole thing is, uh, so since I've been starting out, um, like this is my first real launch, and I've been selling to friends and other sneakerheads that I know that are out there, it's so often that when you go out here and you you sit in or you wait online for these you know releases to come out, you're pressing refresh a million times to get the shoe, that in that meantime, you don't even know sometimes what you're going to wear with the shoe. And like a lot of times I buy the shoe first and then match with it later. Mm-hmm. Um, and when, you know, when I was approached with that and realizing that was really difficult sometimes to find a shirt or pair of jeans or whatever to match that, you know, that outfit, I started thinking to myself, there needs to be something that's not overpriced. No disrespect to GOAT, but I'm not mm-hmm. paying $70 for a t-shirt yeah. or $80 for a pair of sweatpants. And it yeah. just... For certain people that are already paying $200, $250, that price point doesn't really make sense for you to spend $500 on one outfit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to basically reach out to that um, that portion of the sneakerheads that, hey, listen, I might be a sneakerhead, but I want to do it on a budget. Yeah. I don't want to do it spending excessive amounts of money because I'm already spending excessive amounts of money to get right. the shoe. The more money in your pocket, the right. more shoes you can buy. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, I, and I, when you told me that idea, I was like, well, that seems a hundred percent like a real audience, a real market. Like, of course you can sell to those people. And, um, then you pulled up the spreadsheet of all your ideas and I was like, Oh, you got, you got it going. Like you have it figured out in your head. And and that's what I was talking about earlier. So if we can, Sean, if we can go, go back real quick Mm -hmm. and go to, uh, scroll up and click on the, uh, that one. So one of the, so I, I guess, what we what well, our intention was we're gonna do a couple designs okay, so that we can get you know the message across because this so this is a second about me like when I was doing Philicana throughout this last year one of my big things was like people aren't gonna get that this is a idea like that Philly culture is an idea until I've done a couple examples of it and then people will understand that like no this isn't just a lottery design that I made it's part of a larger exploration of cheesesteaks and soon to be another thing. I don't want to release that yet, but it, it, then people understand that as a collection. So that's why like when we started, we were like, well, we got to do a couple so that people understand that this isn't just one Jordan inspired shirt. This is us looking at sneaker heads from kind of a self-aware point of view where we're like, what do they like? Right. What do they want to wear with their shoes? Stuff like that. So um, which one do you want to start with? We'll start with the uh, Fresh Prince if you can go back to that one. All right, cool. So, funny, it's it's kind of, a, now that I'm thinking about it, it's kind of a double entendre, if that's even the right word for right now. But it to me, it, it, it's perfect. I'm, I'm not originally from Philly. Um, definitely a Southern guy, Southern boy from South Carolina. 
Uh, my wife is from Philly, however, and when I moved here, the big joke was, "Oh, you're doing the you're in the opposite of the Fresh Prince. Like, you're moving to Philly," and I was like, "You know what? It it kind of made sense." So when I started to think about how much I love the Fresh Prince, how much I love Will Smith, how much I love the Bel Air Fives, mm -hmm. it was a no brainer. They were re releasing uh, the alternate Bel Airs, I guess. Um, they were re releasing, and I had to have them. And around the time that we started doing designs, that was like the first design that hit my mind. It's like I want to do a Fresh Prince inspired design yeah. with all the crazy color all the neons just super 90s vibe yeah and when it came out i was like i saw the print like when you first sent it to me i was like oh this is it yeah i don't we don't need anything else you're like well, i'm gonna add a couple i was like i wanted to tell you like you don't need to add <laughs> another thing it, it was everything i had dreamed for but even now it's taking its own life because i have a friend of mine she is also a sneakerhead and she did not match them with the bel airs mm. She pulled the pink and the like the turquoise type color out and she matched them with a pair of Nike running shoes. Mm. And to me, that is what being a sneakerhead is about. Yeah. I may have a certain interpretation of what should be with that shoe, but when you put that shoe on and it matches and it hits those colorways just perfectly, yeah. That's what makes that dope. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and and you definitely pointed out like the the key factor for this design, which was color. Um a little background two of those colors are not stock colors. So the, the stock colors, there's obviously a line of colors that everybody uses, red, blue, green, purple, um, that you can buy from the website my, from my supplier. But for special jobs, it's you need it to get across a certain thing that people are already familiar with. So going back to the Filicana stuff, it was very important that I match the Keystone Lottery logo because if it wasn't the right green, it would look like a cheap ripoff right. and not a real loving recreation of that thing. For Same sure. with the the Steve's Prince of Steaks one. So when we went to do this logo, it was like, it needs to be, you know, it needs to give you that feeling from both the shoe and the show, you know, at the same time. So that the light blue that you see is mixed and the green is mixed. So. Those are those are kind of steps that I take sometimes, and and I don't you know put that out to anybody. Like I I don't I'm not trying to go around doing custom colors because it's difficult, but and it and also you don't get to use that custom color very often, right? This right. these two colors kind of had one use, and it's that. Maybe down the line I'll find another use, another print that it works for. But the custom colors is always about tapping into what people expect from a certain thing. You know what I mean? Right. It can help because co colors are all about emotion. For they sure. can they can give you that kind of connection, and this emotion is nostalgia. It's it's connecting you to something that you already know and already love, which right. is the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, um, and of course, so not to completely spell it out, but it's Fresh Prince of the Air, Air Jordan, Fresh Prince. People get it. <laughs> uh, so let's let's go to the next one. Go uh, to the left, I think. So this is the one you're wearing. Talked right. about it a little bit. Let's talk about the elephants in the room. Um, again, great idea. Fits into an idiom that already exists that people know about. Right. And it's also um, so when you gave me this idea for the Fresh Prince, it was kind of clear that it was going to be a Fresh Prince logo ripoff because it fit with the air and the Fresh Prince and the colors, and it was already kind of a, a fully thought up idea. That just needed to be actualized. Right. This one was more of here's the word. How can you fit it into 
a cool design? How can you make it into a cool design? So with this one, I took inspiration from the old um, Jordan three commercials and they made a line of clothing from those commercials that are commercials with Spike Lee and Jordan. Um, and I originally it says, uh, it's gotta be the shoes. It's gotta be the shoes. And so when I saw that, cause I was doing, you know, a lot of research. It wasn't like I, I went straight to that, but I saw the duh. And I was like, oh, well talk about the elephants in the room. There's a duh, there's a duh in there. That's can be get replaced by the duh. And it's also like a declarative statement. It's like, let's talk about the elephants in the room. It's gotta be the shoes. So it fits that same, you know, to, you're telling somebody something important. Um, which is what Nike was trying to do when they use Futura in such a bold, big way. And they squished the type and they like layered it on top of each other and they used a big red to express different things. And also in that, I, I believe, I'm, not, I'm actually, I don't think they used the elephant print in there, did they? That was, that no, was our own that was edition. Our own, that was our own thing. Yeah, so um, when we had talked initially, we were like, um, the elephant print, is not necessarily copywritten. No, it's it's. Uh, Nike would probably have get take offense if like Adidas started printing stuff with elephant-like prints on them, but the print itself is just a pattern, right? right? It's taken from the animal, like we said before. So like, we were like, well, what? Let's just use that as the the elephant. Like uh, that can because for anybody who doesn't know who who isn't in the know. They can at least feel a little bit more in the know because they they see elephant and they see the elephant print at the same time and it kind of goes okay, so they're talking about like a print, like a design kind of right. thing. But for people who are in the know, immediately they're like, oh, I remember, I might remember this ad, I might remember this T-shirt, I definitely know what the elephants are. And since it's all about sneakerheads and getting sneakerheads to like things, let's talk about it, right? right. That's that's an awesome phrase to use too. For sure. Because, I mean, nothing gets sneakerheads talking about sneakers than nostalgia. Yeah. Like, what does that shoe look like? And recently, the denims came out, the Jordan 3 denims, and I, of course, I have those. So, it was <laughs> a part of me. Like, it was it was, it was, was crazy. Like, getting the shirt and then, then going online and getting the shoes. Like, there's very, very rare, a very, very little times now that I get super excited to buy shoes because I got so many. So it's right. like now I was waiting, waiting, waiting. God gave me the idea. I was like, oh, as soon as the denim's coming, I'm getting them. Like it was without, it was not even a question if I was getting those shoes. So it's just like, like you said, the it gets the design will get people talking to saying, oh man, I remember mm -hmm. if I had those, or if I wanted those, maybe I couldn't get them when I was, you know, 10. Maybe we didn't have the money for them, but I'm an adult man now. So I can, <laughs> I can afford to get right myself a pair of you know the 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 elephants or the cements or whatever i can do that and yeah. that is a part of i think the sneakerhead culture in general and that's what makes it dope yeah and and you mentioned before the kind of one word naming convention that we've now adopted as like these these shoes like the elephants can refer to a specific type of jordans there's now there's a, a lot of different jordans now right. are elephants there's a lot of colorways that overlap but um, similar to like the breads, which we'll talk about in a minute, but you can say since since you injecting that idea of elephants in here changes the whole idea of elephants in the room too, because yeah. now now you're talking about shoes on people's feet yeah. rather than some 
vague problem yeah. that people were having yeah. or whatever. You know what I mean? That's no. Yeah, it's it's super interesting. So let's go to uh let's go to the third design. Other way. Maybe not. Try again. There yeah, we go. Okay, so this one is a lot of layers. Oh yes, a lot to this. There's a couple different layers to this one. So the tagline that you came up with for this one is born in breads. Yeah. So obviously again you're taking from an idiom born in born and bred yep and changing that to be a reference to me basically of kids that were born and given their first pairs of jordans at a very young age right but it also refers to like you know again nostalgia really people yeah. having a long relationship with jordan you know what i mean and um so with this one my initial thought was the biggie smalls ready to die album cover because that's like my my touchstone of like baby imagery in yes i mean that or never mind with nirvana but like that the the biggie one fits better because the the album is already black and red just like the breads so i thought it was a it was a perfect way to connect those things and um we just made it a little different instead of you know this uh awesome photograph it's a graphic representation representation of like a baby in the womb with the with the jordans on their feet yeah it's when you first sent it to me yeah i was on the couch and i was like you know like i can't wait to see what these guys was born in brits and i uh, i start and there's so many layers to it that like I, I got the the initial picture i looked at it what was crazy is i used to be a big cd collector and i used mm -hmm. to collect cds when that was cool but um, I was a it's big. It's so cool. I got CDs. Do you? Yeah. Oh man, it's oh, crazy. Thrift store's best place for old CDs. <laughs> I can imagine. Eighties and nineties, all all day. So like getting the getting a picture and then automatically referencing, knowing that that Born to Die album was one of my favorite Biggie albums. Mm -hmm. Like without you even knowing. Yeah. Having that imagery and putting that in there and tying the two together, like we've already tied that hip hop and right. sneakers and athletes have always been synonymous. Mm -hmm. So. Throwing that in there just made it even better. And then, like, I look down and the baby's got on a pair of shoes. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, okay, all right. Oh, oh, born and breads. Okay. Yeah. Like, not you're not born and bred. Yeah. Like how it's supposed, like, it's a play on words. You're like right. born in those breads and your embryo coming. You haven't even hit the ground yet. And right. You've already got them on. Yeah. Which is, which is, I think, um, is like a common kind of, it's like a common not joke but like a thing in sneakerhead culture where like sneakerheads are buying their kids like jordan every jordan they can oh, yeah. like my dad was all about that trying to get me every jordan making sure i was wearing my iversons too like yeah like that's just a it's like a funny whatever it is about sneakerhead culture it seems like every father wants to pass that down to their kids like yeah. as soon as possible it's probably not healthy but we definitely do it <laughs> it's probably not healthy it's immediately adapting them to be consumers but oh yeah <laughs> definitely it's putting, fun yes yeah, definitely fun it's, yeah. it's it's a it's a talking point like yeah my son i think he has around like 15 pairs of shoes now and you know and my other son and he maybe have like four or five but he, he grows so fast that he can't keep them so it's just like a part of it it's like you know i'm not taking him out to like release dates and sitting right, in right. you know overnight and like freezing yeah. cold weather but he's getting to see like dad's got to go in here and like sometimes has to haggle or has to try to find the shoe and we might have to go to two or three 
uh, Foot Lockers or wherever to get it. And because it's important to me that he knows that daddy's shoes are not a toy, right. that he knows how hard it is for me to get them. Yeah. Um. You know, it's it's always a it's always a big proponent, and like this is one of the reasons why follow, having these having these unspoken you know things when it comes to a sneakerhead culture or just realizing how important it is to a sneakerhead to get the sneaker and why they will pay outrageous amounts of money if they miss a release. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, we're in a position where resellers are pretty much cornering the market on a lot of sneakers. If they can get them, because we're just we're in a we're in a place that we just can't we yeah. can't stop either we can't stop or we just know that if we miss that release, when will it come back out? Right? Will we will we get them the next time? Like mm-hmm. like the Fire Reds, like Fire Red Fives, like they released twice this year, and a lot of people don't even know that. But the first time they released was during the beginning of the um, the Last Dance. Nike decided yeah, yeah. they were going to release them really quickly. It was like a two-second flash release, yep. and I had no idea. I got an alert from one of my friends that said, you can get the you can get the, the fives right away if you get on right now. Yeah. By the time I pulled up sneakers and got my phone ready to buy them, they were already sold out. It wasn't even two minutes. Yeah, my, my dad had heard, had word of that early from one of his vintage connection guys. We still couldn't get them. It was still too quick. It it was just, it, and and that what that was episode one, one, right? Yeah, yeah. So it dropped on like a Sunday night. So Jordan has has for whatever reason, Jordan has been able to continue to keep his demand high, mm-hmm. and he's been able to keep people's interest. Mm-hmm. The last dance for me was probably the greatest thing that you know has happened during COVID. Yeah. Um, because like. I am a 90, oh, I was an 80s baby and like a 90s kid. So right. I was around and kind of cognizant of all those championships he got while he was in the league. Yeah. I wasn't so much, um, I wasn't so much in the know about like all the dysfunction that was going on with the Bulls. Right, right. But I definitely knew they were winning championships and Jordan was the best player to ever do it. Yeah. Um, And I don't think anybody, I mean, I know there's a lot of argument about who's the best, but nobody can argue who's the first. Right. Yeah, and and I mean, even even like uh, those those arguments about who's the goat go back forever. But he definitely transcended so many other different things. Like Jordan made things fashionably cool that probably didn't have business being cool. These large ass suits, the the <laughs> earring with the with the, the big hoop, the hoop. Yeah, like he did some weird. He he wore berets at one point. Like yeah, he was on some other stuff. He but but a lot of that became a big thing. And what you were saying earlier is like, I think sneakers have done a lot to bridge the gap between like the jock athlete and like the fashion world because for a long time being into fashion was like very much not cool or just or people just looked at you and like why are you doing that like yeah you know and through sneakerheads or through through sneakers and streetwear and now vintage is is arguably like the zeitgeist of art in general like virgil abloh is one of the most known artists in the world and he doesn't paint he doesn't well he probably does but he doesn't that's not what he's known for painting or sculpting or architecture right he's a designer he's a designer now of shoes of Louis Vuitton clothing of these these very 
you know, consumer things they used to be, or just like crazy European things that you didn't really hear about. You know what I mean? And now that's all cool, very cool. You know, hype beasts are are, you know, the new popular kids in school. You know yeah. what I mean? And that's the thing. Like, I remember growing up, and um, like we couldn't really afford Jordans. I mean, I had a couple. Don't get me wrong, I had some. Mm-hmm. But like now, looking back at it, like. As a kid, you're wondering why, like, some kids have all these Jordans or they have all these Nikes or whatever the Penny Hardaways were big, whatever it was that these kids had. You're looking at a kid's feet mm-hmm. and that is embedded early. Yeah. Like, it must be the shoes. Right. Like, it's embedded that you're going to now look at people's feet. Right. And you're going to judge them now. Yeah. And I judge like 90% of people I meet right. off their feet. Right. And it's like not in a bad way, but like, if I see somebody, like, and it's crazy because, like I'm around six two and a half roughly, mm-hmm. and when I go to places and I see like the smallest kid, regardless if he's a white, black, whatever kid, if I see a little white kid, more than likely, and he's got glasses on, he looks super nerdy, but I look at his feet, and he's got on a pair of, like SB Dunks, yeah, like limited edition, or he's got on a pair of Jordan ones, and you know they're beat, but they're like ones that you can't find anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I want to know his story. Yeah, like where did you get those? And not to like. Because I'm thinking that he wouldn't have them, but I'm like, want to know, like, hey man, like, those yeah. are dope shoes. Even if right. they're beat, I love them when they're beat. Yeah. I love the Jordan ones when they're beat down. Like, you've skateboarded in them and they're like beat the crap. All I'll, the stars are gone. Yeah. From the, from the I top. love those yeah. because they, those shoes have a story. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole point of this whole sneakerheads thing is to tell the story. Mm-hmm. There's a million different stories of why people became sneakerheads, why people love sneakers, why people love the culture in general. But, the all the stories always kind of cycle back it's just the love for it yeah nothing else yeah yeah and it's so it's so cool too because it's like um for me it's always been like i'm very interested in things that other people outside of whatever culture we're talking about think are garbage you know nobody old older people no offense they don't give a shit about our shoes or they don't give a shit about our graphic tee that's really exclusive or really cool because of this printing style or whatever. Right. That kind of stuff intrigues me because I think there's a lot of high art like qualities in those things, but they're very much like looked down upon by other it's it's similar to like what people felt about comic books. People always loved comic books, but they were like for your ten year old little brother to read and they weren't for adults, you know what I mean? Right. But through, you know, like Alan Moore and like Dark Knight and stuff like they made it hardcore and cool and and eventually became cool for adults to do the same thing and right. like with sneakers like it became cool for you know grown men to be into fashion which like wasn't a thing like like old dads were not into fashion like they would long white tube socks and that's it you know what I mean the, short the shorts good old New Balance 826 exactly yeah yeah and and it's I'm really interested in that stuff. And I I mean, that's why I'm interested in vintage vintage too. Is like people, there's just still people today who just won't go into a thrift store out of principle. Like they're yeah. just like, that's where poor people shop. And that's so. That is so bad to say. But it's it, right. It's right. right. Yeah. You're, you're not lying. And, and that to me is like, it's so, and young people typically don't think that way. A lot of them are, are there because of environmental reasons or they're there because you know, they got a limited budget, but they want still want to look fly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like stuff like that. But to me, it's like, and this is a lot of what my dad is into and what he does is like archival. It's like 
finding these stuff. And even though I'm not into this band or I wasn't, I'm not into, you Metallica know, Metallica or Metallica or motorcycles or whatever it is, finding that and finding a person who is into that is like so cool. Right. And, and I mean, so I'd find a lot of that, a lot in there found is the name of my brand that yeah. there's a reason behind that. Like when I'm doing things like this, I do a lot of research to find what makes those things tick. Like yeah. we've been talking about it. It's character and it's story and it's that connection. Like finding what makes those things tick is where you get to those badass designs that people just look at and they just fall in love with them. Right. And they're just like, gotta have that. I gotta find that. And that's what Tinkers did. That's what Nike's been doing for all these years. That's even what Kanye does. Yeah. You know, it, it's people can say a lot of stuff about Kanye. Yeah. And you can I mean you can find the worst of the worst stuff about him. Mm -hmm. But he's a he's a savant. Yeah. The dude is and a lot of savants have like legitimate uh social anxiety and mm -hmm. they're awkward because they're they don't think like such geniuses they you put him in front of anything with any artistic uh, content, mm -hmm. he'll give you something back that will change your life. Yeah, like I, I keep, I always tell people that Kanye's first college dropout album is still my favorite album also, of all time. It's also my favorite album of all time. Like all it time. does not matter what crazy stuff he puts out now. He's still to me one of the best rappers ever. Yeah, is he crazy? Probably. Probably. Is he off his meds? Yes, of course. Probably, yes. But when he is in his creative form, mm -hmm. for crying out, the guy took Sunday service and had celebrities coming into Montana, wherever he was, or Dakota, mm -hmm. whatever yeah. place that people don't really yeah. live. Jacob's Jacob Street, too, in California. Yeah. They're, they're just showing up in the for Sunday <laughs> service to listen to Kanye make music in his, in his element. And then flip that. He'll go into a design room with people we've always known his whole career that he was a savant, like, with fashion. Right. He had kids wearing Louis Vuitton book bags who could not afford to keep their lights on. Yeah. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? Like, he yeah. legitimately had people in impoverished areas legitimately walk around with, you know, maybe knockoff bags, but they walked around with Louis Vuitton. They wore polo heavily. Yeah. A, a whole genre of people, a whole, like, group of people did not know who Ralph Lauren was. Yeah. Nor did they care probably. Right. Until Kanye started wearing it. Yeah. And it's it's fascinating too because he did that all while making music where he was like, I'm self-centered. We got a problem with clothes. We're addicted to clothes. Yes. But still was setting trends in fashion. Yeah. It's it's amazing. Like, and yeah, college dropout. I, I listen to college dropout once a week, pretty much, front to back. There's and, nothing wrong with that. And I just, one number one, it's comforting to me, but it also right now just connects to everything I think about all the time. Like, you don't know how bad I want to just fully drop out of college and, <laughs> and do this, right? Because Kanye's story is a story that I think so many people over the last couple decades connect to because they, they realize that they're stuck in a job that's not going anywhere and they know they can do more. And right. so they want to go do it themselves. They want to go find their passion, find their creativity. Like, you know, people have said a ton of stuff about millennials. Millennials all want to find purpose. They want to find a life purpose where older generations were cool with just going to the factory and making their money and living their normal suburban house. But millennials want to go out and make an impact, have a purpose. You know what I mean? Yeah. And me even younger than a millennial, like 
I'm from that same ilk. Like, like my parents want to do the same things too. They want to find their own thing. They want to break out of that corporate structure. And like, that's what college dropout is to me. And it's just like such a, and, and, and all the songs mean different things to me. I mean, family business is friggin' amazing and so emotional and awesome. All falls down. Does it for me? All falls down is all falls down. I think is the, the real, like, like if you had a titled track, like, like 2020, no, no, no. Well, yes. Oh yeah. Yes. But I'm saying like to the college up at album, like that's the, that's the primary song. Like that's the song that if yeah. you listen to that song, you'll get, you'll understand what he's doing on the rest of the album. Yes. Um, I mean, so there's so much, I mean, the last, I, I last call the last song on the track, it's it on the, on the album. It's like 12 minutes long. I still listen to it because because it, it's him telling the story of what, how he went from a no name producer making beats for, you know, second class, Rappers. not second class, but second, I mean, B-list, second yeah. tier, yeah, yeah, not class, B-list uh, rappers to making beats for, for Jay-Z and trying to weasel his way into thinking that he's a rapper, having other people think that he's a rapper and the whole story about Jesus walks being showed to somebody and then they, they turn him down right. and like say that you can't, you could never play that on the, on the radio. You can't play a song about religion on the radio, especially not on a rap channel. Yeah. Um, which is. I think weird because DMX was doing that shit. DMX was it just subtly. It was also yelling. True, and it didn't sound it like didn't it was. Sound it like didn't it was sound like it was. But I mean, um, everyone. I like, if you go back, Tupac referenced true. Jesus a lot. Like a lot yeah. of the more philosophical rappers have always referenced some type of religion or yeah. lack thereof of their religion. So like, yeah. I mean, is it really saying you know that Kanye was really that off of what he was off? No, he was no. he was spot on, and that's yeah. why I say if we had a if I had a track to describe 2020. Man, as rough as it has been, I would definitely say all falls down. Yeah. Because at some point when this all falls down, we're going to have to come together and get it back on track. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, that's probably one of the, I didn't know that about you, but now it makes me respect you even more knowing that you think that about. My my favorite line on College Dropout is um from School Spirit. Okay. And it's... uh. Sean, can you look it up? Because I don't want to misquote it because it's it's that good. Look up School Spirit lyrics. If I could get this, I mean, I guess I could get this tattooed on me, but this is this is the best part. So, so scroll down. I mean, I'm going around getting tattoos put all over you with rap lyrics. Told them, told them I finished school and started my own business. They said, oh, you graduated. No, I decided I was finished. That's my favorite line. Like, you can't live vicariously through Kanye, though. I'm. I don't need to. I have a business and I'm in school. I know, but I'm saying like you can't drop out and like oh get no, the, get I'm, the piece of paper. I'm already. I'm already fully okay. invested. Okay. Get some some costs have been made, so <laughs> we 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 are where we are. But that's that's like the that still is 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 a thing to live by though, because like there's no reason to wait to start these things. Like a lot of people are fearful that they're gonna fail, but that's exactly what you want to happen. Because as soon as you fail you're able to pick yourself up and do that thing again, but the right way. That's wisdom. You know what I mean? And that's, like I said that on uh, on the Rotated Views podcast, they, they asked me what my advice to my little brothers would be, and I, I told them, fail faster. Like, just... Fail early. Just fail early, often, like, just do let, it. It, let it rip. Yeah. Because, and I learned that with designs, too. Like, I, I just put out this design for the debate last night, and making it, you know, I'm in my head, but I'm also... 
putting out to think like, well, what, how's the world going to react to this? This is a, a volatile issue. Obviously it's politics. So like, how's, how are people going to react to this? But it's just like the, the Jordan, you miss a hundred percent. I it's not him, but a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Um, you gotta let, sometimes you gotta let a design fly and see what people think about it. And then you can start to, you know, figure out what you're supposed to be doing, right. what connects to people. And that's what we talked about too. Like, so you, you, you had an event this weekend and when we, when we, when we, when we talked about this beforehand, we were like, great, this is going to be a proving ground for what we've right. done. And we're going to come out of this and we're going to say, this is how we feel about these things. So do you right. want to tell the yeah, story yeah, of the event? Story. I'll tell the story. So okay. I went down to Carolina and I had a, a we had a, my sister and a couple of her colleagues. They have this big tournament. Uh, she got now and he got now this okay. big tournament. It's like one day a piece for each gender basketball. tournament. Yeah, basketball tournament. So I thought to myself, I go down. My sister's like, we don't have any vendors. You know, you should come down and, you know, bring your stuff. Will your stuff be ready? I was like, well, yeah, I can, I can make it ready. You know, we can get it ready. And uh, prior to this thing, we're like so high expectations. Like, oh, we're going to go out here and kill it. Mm -hmm. You know, and and it's not that we didn't kill it. So let me just preface that by saying we did not not kill it. <laughs> we we did we did awesome. But in my mind, I think sometimes your your ambition and your own thought process can sometimes hinder you from being in touch with reality mm -hmm. and sometimes reality is you have to know your audience and sometimes it ain't the time and that ain't your people mm -hmm. so going into it i thought it was going to be my time and my people and it wasn't as much as i thought it was i made a lot of good contacts though um reached out to a lot of people and the people said hey listen like it's not that we're not into what you're selling it's just that this is for these are for like 14 year olds. The adults bought more stuff than the kids did because right. they were in the, like you said, nostalgic or nostalgic and they knew what the elephants in the room and they were big Spike Leaf people or yeah. uh, they were also, they put those kids in bread. They kids that are playing in the tournament. They put them in breads mm -hmm. because they had, you know, experienced that. And then going and they love the Fresh Prince because they grew up on that. Yeah. Um. So it's like, like you said before, like because of the imagery and things that we're going to, that audience might not be the same. And I've learned that lesson. Yeah. I don't need to go to a pop-up shop for something like that. Maybe I'll just go to uh, local like vintage shops or places like that and say, you know what, listen, like I got this product that I'm putting out. Hey, like you think you have any interest in it? Yeah. Or I just sell on the website. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I wanted to bring this all up because like, I'm going to have a lot of people like you on here that I don't want to paint the picture that what I'm doing is some sort of perfect plan that there's some way that you brand people in that way always works hundred percent of the time. It's so fluid. It can change. And, and just look at a big brand like Nike. Nike has changed a lot. They do a lot of different things. They position themselves with different athletes. They talk about different issues. Um, it's still connected to their greater brand identity, but Brands need to change and being part of part of that change is having someone willing to sit down with you and discuss what does and doesn't work. A lot of times, one of the reasons I started this business was because I knew that there were a lot of print shops around and I knew that they were doing decent work and uh, for decent quality, but none of them were looking out for the people that were they're making stuff for. None of them were servicing the people. 
right? right? They were manufacturing essentially for those people. So those people had to basically come with, you know, 75 to 100% of their idea and design finished before that company could take it the extra the extra mile and yeah. finish it off for them. But I, I saw that as a big problem because I, I think that there's a lot of small businesses that I, I believe that everybody has character and personality that's worth celebrating. Like right. They have even a small pizza shop who just is a basic pizza shop in your local town. They can make some bomb ass pizza and be worthy of everybody in that town knowing that, knowing that and going there. And like, do I want to do bigger brands too eventually? Yeah. But I don't want to lose track of that idea that like, I want anybody to be able to come in here and get whatever quantity. I don't have minimum quantities. Like I don't, I don't put different things on people's dreams to tell them it's not possible. Sometimes we got to work around things. And sometimes I just got to say, Hey, this isn't really going to work right now. Or I don't have the means to do this for you maybe in the future. But my goal is to say that as little as possible. I don't want to turn people away. And I want people to feel like they have a actual relationship. And, And look, it doesn't happen with everybody. I've had clients that come and go where they don't mesh with me or they don't really understand what I'm trying to do for them or whatever it may be. But with you, it was an immediate click. Like right. we, we immediately had the sneakerheads to connect with already. So that was helpful. But I think the more, and this is one of the reasons that the podcast exists too, is to talk about these ideas because we talked about the concept of on the rack versus people understanding it. They can see the t-shirt, but if they don't know the connection to Biggie and what breads means and why there's a baby wearing shoes, then there's no chance of connection to them for them. So by doing things like this, we're allowed, we're able to in long form express all of these ideas so that people can digest it and get used to it and come to understand what you're trying to do as a real tangible thing, right? Rather than just some, some other brand, you know, on the rack. Yeah, that's it. I think you you hit it right on the hip for for me personally because, you know, like a lot of times if you have an idea, you take this idea to a person and they don't really understand for you. They might take your your dream and your idea and they might take a completely different route than what you're trying to go. And then you have to go tell that person like, hey, listen, like mm-hmm. I'm not okay with it. I don't think yeah. at any point in our uh, design process that we ever say we're completely in two different places. Like you're here and I'm here. Yeah. I think it was always like, Hey, well, this is a great idea. Can we tweak this a little bit? And it was always just small changes, minimal changes. I remember one night, I think we stayed up texting until like eight o'clock at night because yeah. like you were like, do you think they understand that? I was like, yes, right. no. And it was just like, it, you didn't take offense to it. And that's a lot of times in business, even being a podcast creator like myself, like sometimes like talking to other people when I am interviewing, like people can get super offended because, mm-hmm. oh, you're trying to tell me that doesn't make sense. I was like, yeah. no, it's not that. But you have to look at it from perspective. I don't want to hurt you. Right. I'm not doing anything to hurt you. I just don't yeah. think that what you're trying to put out is going to be received the way you want it to be received. And delivery is everything mm-hmm. in the podcast game, in the you know, design game, in life. Right. How you're being received by others, regardless, is either positive or negative and you won't sometimes only have one opportunity to make an impression a first impression you don't get another chance to make a first impression so how i want to be received is everything to me Mm -hmm. um when we put this stuff out like we had a dream and we had a a vision of how we wanted to look and 
if I would have sold two shirts or if I would have sold 200 shirts, I would have been absolutely fine with the outcome because I'm happy with the quality and what we put out. Like there's a lot of shirts like the vendor. He had a lot of shirts. When I felt my shirt and felt the quality of my materials and I thought to myself for a long time and I said this to you, like I hate buying these really dope design T-shirts, wash them twice. And then the design's all cracked up or the shirt's so hard and you don't even have to iron it anymore. It's just like flat. Yeah. And it's just like, that's not good quality. And the last thing I want people to do is say, oh, like I bought that Sneakerheads Anonymous shirt. I had to throw it away. Yeah. $20, $30 for nothing. You know, that's the worst thing you can do because your word of mouth is your best, is your best, is your best advertisement. Yeah. A hundred percent. And, and like, and like you, you, you said it's, I don't know how to word it, but like you were talking about how, how you get, you make a first impression and sometimes it's tough to make a first impression when people want something from you because it's immediately a relationship that people think that they're, think that they know what's going on. They think that they're talking to somebody online and they're just asking for you to do a thing and you're supposed to deliver that thing. But that's not how this business works. Mm-mm. It's not about me knowing what's right and you knowing what's wrong and me telling you what's right. It's not about that at all. If you work that way, you're just going to end up with a lot of shit that is 100% you or 100% me and there's no real progress being made to connect to people, right? You know, the first testing ground for any design that I make is me. Like, I look at what I make and I go, do I think that's going to work? I do. But does my friend think it's going to work? Does my customer think it's going to work? Do my haters think it's going to work? Right? Like, do those people think it's going to work? That's what you test later. So, like, us making that first impression, it's like, let's begin to create that Jordan Tinker relationship where we can get that shit to come out fire. And, you know... Sometimes you got to ruffle some feathers to get there. You know, you got to tell people, hey, look, I know you've had this logo for 10 years, but you've, your, lo- your logo has also been doing nothing for you for 10 years. You've been getting off, you've been getting through on your own acumen as a professional. Like your business is good. You do good work. This has nothing to do with the work you're doing. It has everything to do with how that work is seen and how people can connect to it and appreciate it and feel like they love it. I'm still in that. I'm yeah. no, I'm still in it. Like it's has everything to do about how the work is being seen. Like from podcasting. Even like I have that the the culture connoisseur podcast. Like I had to rebrand that. That was called Jabbing with Jamar. And like as I got older in my podcast, I realized that nobody really wants to hear what I have to say. But if they hear about a person who's a connoisseur of the culture, who cares about all things culture, mm-hmm. then oh man, I wanna listen to that guy. Because mm-hmm. it there creates a little bit of like mysteriousness to it. Like, what is yeah. he talking about? What is he a connoisseur of? Yeah. What culture? Wh- wh- whose culture? Yeah. I get like ninety percent of people who listen to me because they don't know what the culture connoisseur actually means. Mm-hmm. And even being able to spell it was a hard thing because you know I'm from down south, so it's not really that great. Our <laughs> spelling and education isn't all that great, but it is. You know, it's a it's a big thing for me. So g- giving you those ideas from everything from you know the 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 podcast recreating our podcast and rebranding that and saying okay listen like what can we do with this and then taking saying okay well by the way 
also want to start a sneaker uh, sneaker t-shirt brand hey how do you feel about that and the way you were so receptive to everything you took everything it was never oh we can't do that it was even if you something that you might not have been so strongly think that we could do it was like hey let's let's table that for a minute let's work through this first mm-hmm. and it was never disrespectful and that's why i say it's all about how you treat people because yeah. people will come back to you in that word of mouth because if anybody asks me who makes my t-shirts i just tell them yeah go to this website yeah. or like this or like that because we have to support each other and the best way to support is to just go out and do it support them yeah tag them let me let me end on this so so what you just said like um you you said like this is this is my t-shirt guy right that's the secret to getting business and i am not a businessman i did not go to business school i do not have a mba or whatever it is in anything right i'm still in school but and i was i would i'll be totally real the first couple months of me having this business you know antoine took a leap of faith in having me come in here but i didn't know i thought that there was some you know magic thing that was you just do it and you do it again and you do it again and you start to grow business and i found out that i was looking in all the wrong places for that all that is is referrals and all referrals come from is good word of mouth even the biggest companies in the world who have these huge advertising budgets who put themselves in front of other people's eyes it still comes down to what is the general consensus about how people feel about you you know what i mean how do people feel so customer service service is so big and so anybody who's running a business take a look at your business and say am i really out to help my consumer help my client to deliver them the best product i can because if you're not just get out just finish off like nobody wants think about it all the people companies that people hate are these huge corporations that they feel like don't care about them yeah and those those corporations are trying to fight to make it seem like you you do yeah like you matter they they do all this stuff to make you to feel like you matter. Mm-hmm. But when you really look at it, like, I don't really matter in the bigger scheme of things. Like, yeah, they could lose you. Yeah. If I lose, if you lose business for me, then you still got five other guys like me. And I think like my podcast is about small businesses and mm-hmm. how we how we try to grow small businesses. And the best way to do it is get the name out. Because mm-hmm. as soon as I start talking about you, even if I'm in a restaurant over in Levittown and you're a local Levittown business. And somebody hears me, well, well, there might be on their phone, like, what is he saying? This, What is this business he's talking about? Yeah. What is this found business he's talking about? Yeah. And they're just ear hustling. Yeah. So people are so nosy that, like, at the end of the day, they listen for key words and things that trigger them to go looking for things. So, and why do we, why do we worry so much about, you know, putting all these advertisements out? I mean, it's great to advertise. If you want to advertise as a small business owner, do that. Please do, do it. it. For sure. But but do it the right way. Yeah. And your word of mouth, how you treat those customers or those consumers, regardless of anything that you put out, mm-hmm. that is going to precede you. Mm-hmm. Your reputation will always precede you. Even the same thing with Tuan at least. Yeah. His reputation precedes him. So before I even knew Tuan, I had already heard millions of things about him, how innovative Laced was. And then to find out you are inside a barber shop, technically, mm-hmm. and you do this work out of here and you it's like a one stop shop. Yeah. And that's innovative. Yeah. So his word of mouth not only precedes him, 
but the people that he's around and associates himself with, they also have this great reputation. Yeah. So just like, it just makes sense. It's very funny because the end of the first podcast, we also talked about Antoine. He was supposed to be on the first podcast. So I'm going to call him out again. <laughs> Antoine, you have to be on my podcast. You've already, you're already scheduled for tomorrow. So I will see you tomorrow yeah. right here. All right. Thank you. Thank you for being on. No problem, man. That was great. Sorry I had to cut it. I, I felt like we were. No, we went like an hour or something. For long.